0: zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, Today's guest on the Disruption Zone is my friend Congressman Thomas Massey. We're going to talk about several things. Merrick Garland's letter of intimidation to parents who are upset about their kids being taught that just because of the way they were born, they're automatically racist or being forced to wear masks, which is absolutely unscientific. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the behemoth spending uh, plans of the left. Talk about the supply chains, like why are we having supply chain disruptions in America? And then we're also going to talk about how important upcoming elections are. That's all coming up here. First, though, big thanks to our sponsor and then our conversation. Guys, home equity is at an all-time high right now. So if you're thinking about staying put but want to take advantage of that and make your house your dream house, a great way to do that is to upgrade your kitchen. And the best way to do that is to call my friend, Tim Montgomery at Louisville cabinets and countertops. We did our kitchen with them. It, they, they did such a great job that I'm pretty confident. That's the reason why our house in Kentucky sold in like about a day. I mean, obviously it was, there were other elements of that property that were awesome. But when you walked in that house and you saw that beautiful kitchen, it just made people fall in love. It certainly did with us. They also did our master bath. So we used them twice. Here's the thing. Supply chain problems are all over the world, but not at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They have beautiful cabinets in stock, ready to go. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they can help you out with that as well. Three designers on staff standing by waiting to help make your dream kitchen come true. So call them. Michelle, Kelly, and George all want to talk to you. You can call them at 502-930-3304. That's 502-930-3304. And let your kitchen dream come true today. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops.com. Congressman Massey, feels like it's been forever. It's only a couple weeks. What up, dude? How are you, man?
1: <laughs> Two weeks uh to slow the spread of information. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh everything in the world is going hyper fast and hyper slow at the same time. You know, like I you can't keep up with everything at all. Like it's impossible. Every day I think you know, I'll talk about that tomorrow, but by the time I get to tomorrow there's fifty seven thousand other things more important that are it, it's just All right, no. we're in the quickening as uh <laughs> old Art Bell classic used to call it. It's weird.
1: Between between the time when you and I agreed we needed to talk soon and right now, so much stuff has happened. Like I've had the chance to question Merrick Garland, uh and he just said, um
0: uh, uh and <laughs> Actually, and re- actually, 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 uh, here's here's what he said. Are you ready? I'm sorry. He yeah. actually sounded kind of like Milton from Office Space. There, I thought I thought was so, <laughs> I was I was told that I could prosecute people at a reasonable amount. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah. So let's talk about that first. Let's talk about questioning Merrick Garland. Um, I want to start on the the parents thing. Um, yeah. Because we now have on Fox News was a woman reported that the Feds flew in on a helicopter. Uh, to a meeting that was that where some parents were expressing their anger with what the school board was doing, it's Merrick Garland spent most of the day denying that he was investigating anybody in particular, and yet they appear to be sending out the feds to some of these meetings. And we already have precedent for this, Congressman Massey. In 2010, the Tea Party swept the nation; it put uh, the Republicans in power in Congress. Um, Obama wisely recognized that and then weaponized the IRS against them, and it worked, and it scared everything away, and he barely won re-election. This is a part two of that, only using the justice system instead of the IRS this time.
1: Well, it's looking more and more like that letter from the school board association was developed in cooperation with the White House and Merrick Garland. It looks like it wasn't like some asynchronous thing that came from the school board but instead they were trying to craft something and i hate to have to imagine what might have happened but let's do that for a second maybe he's already been doing this and they had to cover their uh their hindies hindies, by uh creating this letter trail after the
0: fact let me ask you this because i actually believe it or not i floated this theory on my show yesterday I actually floated the theory that there was some sort of a connection between the NASB, what Merrick Garland did, the White House, and Merrick Garland's connection to his daughter and son-in-law who works for a company that actually develops CRT uh, curriculum and sells it to schools. But that's a – I mean, I I was speculating. You're somewhat speculating, but is there any evidence of that?
1: Look at – I don't have it in front of me, but look at what – Representative Jamie Comer who's a ranking member on oversight has and um, It looks like there are some emails that allude to Maybe not everything you've said but that that they were cooperating like this the school board was Association was saying that they've been working for a few weeks with the White House There's an email or something somewhere that says that so you got that. I, as far as the connection to critical race theory, you know, materials produced by son-in-law. Somebody in my committee on judiciary, I can't remember who it was, asked him about the conflict of interest,
0: and he sidestepped
1: that as well. He did
0: that with Ted Cruz yesterday too. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. Ted Cruz wouldn't let him off the mat, and like, uh, but
1: he's he's evolved his answer. He inserted hmm. a,
0: he. Like, clearly, between the
1: time he came before our committee last week and going in front of the Senate committee this week, he has consulted with lawyers and and crafted a slightly different answer. So that's the key is to go look at the difference between the two answers that were given to the same question in the course of a week well, between the, the House and the yeah, Senate.
0: Yeah, the answer to Ted Cruz, he wouldn't answer. He literally wouldn't answer it. And it, it was, well, it was here's, really here's kind of funny. We,
1: Here's what we've been reduced to. We're trying to divine an answer out of his non-answer. So we look at the way he provides the non-answer and try to uh, interpret what the actual facts are. And I had had to do that in my questioning of him on the other topics that we spoke about.
0: So the idea that there is any accountability to the bureaucracies to Congress is a farce because you pull these guys up, before Congress And like Fauci and him And they don't give you answers Or definitive answers Or they lie As we found out that Fauci did And there's no consequences for that So that well, the that, idea that they're held accountable These bureaucracies that now run our lives That have inserted themselves Between Congress and us And done so by the Congress Acquiescing their duty there's there. It's all a facade then
1: the, Ironically the title of our hearing in judiciary was oversight of the department of justice that was the title of the hearing we were supposed to be conducting oversight and he virtually answered none of our questions right and th- there are multiple off-ramps that he took to evade our questions one of them which is the classic well there's an ongoing investigation and it's long-standing policy he was <laughs> again you got to go look at his non-answer he didn't say it was law he said it was longstanding policy not to comment <laughs> on ongoing investigations. Well, that's unless you're James Comey talking about Hillary Clinton, right? Right. Right. Or, I mean, obviously there have been exceptions to that, and the biggest exception needs to be when you're freaking in front of Congress, and you're we're supposed to be conducting oversight. My my question that I've asked subsequent to his non-answers is why does the January 6th committee even exist if he's not going to comment on January 6th in front of Congress? Like, how are they going to get information? Right. Well, yeah. The Liz Cheney's and the Nancy Pelosi committee, I'm calling it.
0: Well, they'll get information because they'll talk to them. It's partisan now. That's the problem. We're talking with Congressman Thomas Massey. Um, What gives the Justice Department the authority to do anything at all about what's happening in school boards locally around the country? They have no authority. That was one of my questions to him. I said, what limits, if any,
1: does the Tenth Amendment place on your ability to police speech at school board meetings? Now, of course, I wanted to throw in the Ninth Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the First Amendment, but I just limited it to Tenth Amendment. And you may want to go grab the audio if his non answer to that. Right. <laughs> uh, they, honestly, they don't see any limits, but – let me tell you something that uh, we often forget. The president does not write checks. Congress does. And ultimately, our oversight authority begins and ends with the fact that we are paying their salaries and literally buying the toner for their printers and copiers right. and paying their phone bills. Right. And the, the only way we could really get them to answer us would be, let's say, to cut their budget by ten percent for every week they fail to respond to something.
0: Right. In
1: in one particular department, and I think within it would, within five minutes of a serious threat to cut their funding, they would be giving us the answers we asked for. Right. But nobody here in Congress, frankly there are a few but not many have the stomach to cut spending anywhere and so these departments know that so they thumbed their nose at us knowing that we will go ahead and fund it i had breakfast with anton and scalia before he passed away there were about a dozen of us having breakfast with him and the topic was supposed to be he was supposed to speak on restoring the constitutional balance of government in other words The executive had grown too large, and congressmen were complaining that the judiciary was not doing anything about it. Right. And Scalia said, You guys are the most powerful branch. You fund everything you complain about. Just quit funding it if you don't like it.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) That, that, uh, um, along those lines, let's talk about the spending bill that's working its way through Congress right now. Um, so, Joe Manchin uh, in West Virginia was kind of a holdout for a while. What, but I, I'm curious why you're laughing because I, I think I, I know there's
1: two things. There's two things about your premise that I don't accept, but I will answer the question anyway. No, no,
0: no, no. Yeah. Wait, wait, t- t- tell tell me what it is you don't accept because I'm just going off of what I know. What I know is oh, that right. for a while well, he was holding out. He wanted he wanted a work credit or a work uh, requirement in some in in some of the tax credits that are in there, but. The point is it seems to have caved now.
1: Well, my my problem with the question is mostly semantic. You said working through Congress. Number oh, yeah. one, okay. working in Congress should never be used in the same sentence. Okay. Working, and,
0: working its way
1: through Congress doesn't yeah, mean working, it
0: means, it's, it means, working its way through Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's yes, office. I got it. Correct. I got it. Number,
1: <laughs> number, number one, I am sitting here not knowing when I get to go home this weekend, if I get to go home this weekend. Because, in fact, Congress is not working on this problem. There are some people in, in a room that are, that are uh, mostly not congressmen. Who are negotiating all of this, and then they will come back to us and give us a take it or leave it thing. so really it's not Congress working on this it's it's the abs- if if Congress were working on this, I would be in a in a committee somewhere or on the floor debating this very bill right when in fact that hasn't happened anywhere right. So Congress is not working on this. So I'm sorry to reject the premise. No,
0: I'm glad you did, because I think it's actually an important clarification. I've been saying this. This goes back to the conversation about Merrick Garland. People don't realize that it's bureaucrats that run our lives and lobbyists that write our laws. And that's why we have a vaccine right now that has um, literally complete uh, no liability whatsoever for the big pharma companies. And for whatever reason, now it's also apparently... Almost quasi illegal to question the anything about that specific virus or vaccine. So, no, I, I stand corrected. But back to the to this issue. Um, what are they? What are they looking at now? One point nine trillion, I think it is. But all the yeah, same they, freebies and gimmies in there, right?
1: And you you have a a sophisticated set of listeners who deserve more information than is being given. In the <laughs> this, is mainstream why I, this is why
0: I talk to you, sir.
1: <laughs> right. So, there are two things about that number the 1.9 trillion, 3.5 trillion, you know, whatever it is, they, the number keeps changing. It's not because Congress is changing it, but there are two things about that number that are never related in the media. And first, I'll give you the good news, and then I'll give you the bad news. The good news is that's a 10 year number. That's not the budget for next year. That's like, let's call it 2 trillion. What they're doing is they're planning to spend 200 billion each year over the next 10 years, you know, just rough numbers. And when you get out to the 10th year, half of that's the inflation on the extra money, or I'm sorry, the interest on the extra money they spent in the first nine years. Okay. Right. But it's a 10 year number. So take heart. It's not as much money as you thought. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the bad news these are these are not appropriations this they are adding it's also not the whole number this is the amount that they will add to the automatic spending that happens in congress so what they're talking about are uh spending bills that write themselves for for infinity from from here on right and they're just giving you the impact of that mandatory spending over the next ten years. So that's the number when they give you a number, like three point five trillion or one point nine trillion, that is the number they estimate this additional automatic spending that people who haven't even been elected yet won't even get to vote on. <laughs> you know, it's right. sort of like the Medicare spending, but it's in different departments. And Here's here's the depressing thing, but Democrats understand this and the media understand not, – not the media per se, but uh, some people in the media understand this. Th- what really matters at the end of the day, Leland, is what is is one number, and that is our percent of spending with res- – government spending with respect to the GDP. Right. Okay. So, you know, the United States – it's been creeping up. It, it you know, fifty or a hundred years ago, it was like five percent, ten percent. We're up around twenty percent of the GDP. That's the government. That's the level of government spending. That basically, that number tells you how socialist your country is, or even communist. How much is done by the private sector, and how much is done by government. Now, a a country that's typically considered a socialist country would be maybe around 30 percent it's a there is a continuum it's not an on and off thing but we're we're up we have spent because of the coronavirus up in the 30 percent range we've been we've been a socialist country by all metrics that we would apply to any of the european socialist countries we have spent we've been spending european socialist levels over the last 18 but it, doesn't months. doesn't
0: that also include military, not just social programs? It includes everything, yes. Right. So one of the reasons why those European countries can create socialist utopias, in addition to taxing their middle class 50% of every dollar that they earn is that they also get to rely upon our military power. Yes. Uh, They also get to rely upon cheap medicine because they can set medicine price controls because they rely upon us to do the innovation, which provides the medication, and we pay higher prices for that medication in the United States as a direct result of them doing price controls in their country. So a lot of their socialism is a – we're not only – we're not only heading and creeping towards that ourselves, we're also propping up the very same countries that the leftists like to point to as socialist utopias. Without us, without our, bo- our booming economy, without our free market, they don't have all of that utopia in Europe. So again, it, it, it's now a global economy. We're literally propping up socialist nations in Europe.
1: We, you are absolutely correct. We are subsidizing their socialism. And so just to wrap this up and put a bow on it, the, what the Democrats know they are doing with the $1.9 trillion, they are now and forever adding at least a percentage point to that 20 or 24% number I gave you. Right. They, so we have gone up, we've gone from, uh, you know, capitalist free market. They are moving the needle on, on a permanent setting, one notch higher right forever (laughs) and 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 they know what they are doing
0: well i also think it's important to talk about the programs that they're putting in place with that notch free college free college free paternal leave and and maternal leave um free uh basically universal basic income with these child tax credits that they're doing here $3,600 Thirty-six hundred dollars a family. Um, if you stand me next to my friends that have two kids, and let's say we both make the same amount of money, but they have two kids, they're getting seventy-two uh, hundred dollars um, divided up by you know into a couple hundred dollar checks every month, put into their bank account for doing nothing but uh, you know bumping uglies and making babies. So, (laughs) right, right, and it's like, oh, you could argue, well, they need that to take care of their kids. Not my problem. Why you put? Why are you putting raising their kids on me? Because you're taking. I get nothing because I don't have kids. I have dogs. I get nothing for my dogs. But my tax dollars are propping up. And my, we know my friend. We're talking about this the other day. He's actually got four kids. He's getting like six hundred dollars a month put in his bank account in universal basic income. He's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. He's like, I'm cashing the checks, but I don't need this. And I'm like, right. You have four kids, and we have none. And you're getting six hundred dollars a month, and it's like, where's the? Because we both make about the same amount of money. He's fine. He's got four cars. He doesn't need this.
1: They are they are giving you an advance on your like earned income child tax credit. That that's what they're calling it. Yeah, uh, and they're forwarding it to you every month if you have children. So they have—they have, literally people are getting checks. Uh, so they have stopped sort of the paying people not to work part of the program, but they found another way to inject money. Right.
0: Again, that's why but, people aren't going to work, man. Because but, even if you're not, way, even if not get, if you're not getting the bumped up unemployment, you're still getting checks from the government for taxes you didn't pay. You got four kids. You're sitting at home watching Netflix, watching the money roll in from the government. Thanks to me and everybody else that's actually working. <laughs> This drives me so, nuts. You can tell I'm passionate about this. Uh, <laughs> somebody,
1: I retweeted this person, some uh, person on the uh, interwebs, <laughs> in the Twitter sphere. You know, Janet Yellen wants to tax your unrealized capital gains. Which is which is a fiction, right, so some guy said he wanted to get his uh, tax credit for his unrealized children <laughs> but, <laughs> I like it I like it but, but the sad thing is that's what's happening with the advanced uh, monthly child tax credit that's coming into people's bank accounts right and one one quick thing, you know you're talking about free college something. I never imagined would happened in my life happened yesterday. I met with somebody uh, high up in the administration of the community college system, okay, yesterday in my office, and he told me, this surprised me, he said, I'm not for free college. Uh, you know, 80, I think it's about 80% of the tuition already is paid. Right. Right. Uh, by somebody other than the person
0: attending a community college, correct. And
1: I'm I'm not saying that's
0: wrong. I but, am pay okay. your own college. It's not that expensive to go to community college. I had to pay my own way in a private college. Yes. Okay, Cry me a I, river. Just, right, I'm not. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> that's not the fight I'm picking. Okay, what a what I'm But his point was, it's the twenty percent that they are paying out of their pocket that incentivizes them to actually go to class mm. to actually finish the degree. Yeah. If you have if you have zero skin in the game. Right. What's the incentive? Right. He, he says graduate, graduation rates will go down. Right. If nobody is paying anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and not only that, you also those that are in school are not going to pay as close attention. You're going to get you there's a, there's some people who are not college material. I'm sorry. I don't I I I know it's going to hurt some people's feelings. I'm sorry. Not sorry. Bottom line is, some people are not college material. Well, some people will do just fine going into a trade skill, but college well, is not for them. And if we pay for them to go to college, we misdirect their life in a way that's not fair.
1: Yeah, let me let me say it another way. Some people are not. Uh, some people are vocationally challenged. They they are not material for working in the trades, right? Right, right. and they need to go, <laughs> to, college need to, go to college and get a degree
0: and yeah. and and grow a pointy head and go tell everybody else what to do. But there's nothing wrong with the trades. There's nothing <laughs> right, wrong exactly. with the trades. I'm just I don't I'm not sure I was college material to be honest with you. I had to work so hard to get through. I, I mean I know I was uh, you know it's I have intelligence, but it's not. I, I'm I'm not a studier, right? Like I'm a hands-on guy. But that's beside the point. I, I just you—that's where the free market comes to play, and it's like some people will be successful doing one thing, some will be successful doing another. That's the beauty of it. We can't—we're trying to force feed a system, and what's going to end up happening is it's going to drive tuition costs up for kids uh, at the private schools because they're going to have to somehow make up for the money they're losing because of the influx in the community system.
1: Yes, this is correct. Yeah, all right. you? Know, we're, you by the way, <laughs> when. You, w- Expect supply line issues. I mean, this is just uh, expect bread lines. If you do the same policies that resulted in bread lines in Soviet Russia, then expect bread lines here.
0: Let's talk about that. Let's talk about supply lines. Uh, There was a great article in Forbes magazine this morning about how, you know, he's kind of referencing Adam Smith's The invisible hand. And uh, they were talking about how if you want to know why – the supply line is messed up think of prior to the government intervening with the pandemic you had a beautifully intricate complicated web of billions of relationships between people that allowed for us to have sort of this just-in-time um you know delivery method and the production was was really smooth around the world. Things were getting where they needed to go, and we had a, a plethora of things on the shelves in our stores. The government came in and decided who could work and who couldn't. They decided what was essential and what wasn't essential without understanding the ramifications of that. That is part of the supply line problems that we're having right now. Is it not? Government intervening unnecessarily during the pandemic to make, to make choices about who's not realizing how— Everything in that web intricately supports everything else. You might not think that Bob's Boot Store has anything to do with Target or the fast food restaurant down the street, and yet that intricate web is. And when the government comes in and messes with that, they don't see the the fallout until later of how that those relationships actually intertwine. That's
1: absolutely correct. The Zoom class, as we're beginning to call them in my office, the liberal Zoom class who doesn't have to go physically show up to work anywhere. We're allowed to keep working. The problem is they don't they don't make goods, and so but though that was a category of people who were allowed to keep working, yeah, you know, right. to remain employed. Right. And the others were told not to work, and their bosses were given money to pay them. Even if they weren't working, remember the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program? Yeah. At at every point in the supply line, they propped it up with money but not labor. Right. And so, yes, they went in and they picked things that could continue and things that couldn't continue. But also underlying all of that, they paid people to stay home generally. Right.
0: And, and, and another another thing that's causing a problem with that, too, is the government then now entered itself into competition with uh, the labor market. And so now we have these sort of pointy headed liberals walking around going, look how much more everybody's making. And but yet they drove that demand up for that labor to a higher price than it's actually worth, which is part of what's causing the problem right now. We can't. People can't hire people, but they also can't afford to pay them what they have to pay them to hire them, and so th- there's there's a bunch of hidden bumps in this because the government inserted itself here.
1: Well, and also, look, when they were shutting everything down, I, I woke up one morning, and you know, Congress wasn't working, so I decided to plant some more fruit trees on my farm. <laughs> and what I realized was the commercial orchards were not planting trees. Trees that would bear fruit in 5, 10, 20 years. And that the companies that make robots were not building the robots that would be in service for 5, 10, 20 years. And these aren't things you can just turn off and then just turn back on. These are like, a, it's like a slug going yeah. through your pipes, of uh, you know, that where you. You've slowed things down. It's going to take a while for this to work its way through the pipes. Right, and these pipes are twenty years long. They're, right. they're It's a generation.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't think people if you realize take a that, summer
1: yeah. off. You take a summer off, and nobody plants the trees, and nobody builds the robots or makes the trucks that are going to carry the goods. You know, don't be surprised. If it takes 5 or 10, 20 years for this to work its way out of the system and a year or two for it to become chronic and obvious.
0: Meaning meaning it could get worse before it gets better. Yes. Yeah. That, mean, that's what I've been saying for a time. I'm like, I don't think it, people realize this is going to get worse before it gets better because they it, don't realize how how much this affected the system.
1: Do you realize when we had the food issues and they shut down the restaurants and then the, the dairies didn't have a market – for the products, and the way in which they were geared to package the products, okay? Not for individual resale. So what did they do? They slaughtered dairy cattle. Right. Like you can't, the farmers can't, like, set up a nursing home for their cattle,
0: right? <laughs> right. Right. So
1: so they slaughtered them. Right. They put them into the beef, right. okay? Now, I, I raise cattle, as you well know. I don't raise dairy cattle, but it takes... They they have uh, about a nine-month, it's very similar to humans, incubation period for a calf. And then it's going to be, it, that calf has to be about 18 months old before it can breed. The only time a cow gets milk is when it's had a baby. So now, from the time you decide, I need a cow with milk, to the point in which you can have a new cow with milk, you're talking about three years. Right. So even though you have just-in-time manufacturing, you don't you don't have just-in-time food supply. That's what a lot These of people things- are
0: complaining about. Is milk shelves empty too? Yeah. So, so, um, what do you have any idea why we're having a trucker shortage right now?
1: Uh, <laughs> again, there's this uh. You know, the overregulation, first of all, when when Biden comes into office, people are uneasy about the regulations that are coming up. There's less investment. So that's part of it. People could afford to, you know, if you're an independent trucker and you're getting checks in the mail. Well, maybe I won't drive this week. okay? Uh, And just a little bit of that entering into the system. And then now the American we just found out that yesterday the American Truckers Association is asking the Biden administration to delay these vaccine mandates because that is going to throw gasoline on the fire. Right. And, th- and things are just going to burn down in the supply line when if you force truckers not to drive because what they're going to say is that the 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 truckers are employees. They're not contractors. And and they're employees of companies over 100. And this, that and the other thing. Isn't
0: there something to the fact, though, that while truckers get paid pretty well, it is a stressful lifestyle. And since everybody else is changing careers right now, uh, some are leaving that industry saying, I can maybe get paid better doing something else. And that is also driving a little bit of this trucker shortage.
1: You know, I don't know. Uh, particularly about that I don't have enough visibility into it so I'm going to say I don't know right but uh, my daughter manages a restaurant and it's it's sort of a high-end restaurant and she said you know in the past they would end up with engineers and school teachers and whatever degreed people working in the restaurant right they because they'd start moonlighting right and they decide, you know what? I'm making just as much money in the restaurant, and uh, it's fun, and I interact with people, and I'm really a people person. Right. So I think I'll do this for a living. So they they transition into, uh, you know, the person waiting your table isn't necessarily always a liberal arts major, right. you know, in women's or a college studies.
0: kid, yeah, yeah,
1: right sometimes they are degreed people who just chose that career because it's fun and they can make money at it. Well, what my daughter's told me is those people went back to work,
0: but they,
1: they left the restaurant industry. They went back to their day jobs.
0: That's interesting. They went
1: back to what they had degrees in. And now this is why there's a shortage in the, in the restaurant business of, of workers. Yeah. And, And so the same thing, you know, Truckers, it it might not be that that's their only option. Right. That when they when there was a slowdown and there was a big slowdown,
0: they went they on said, to do other things.
1: Yeah. Let me go. Let me go start a little business. Let right. me do this.
0: Right. That's interesting, and I think a lot of people don't. You know, it's sometimes we try to boil down what happens in the economy just to like, you know, Republicans versus Democrats policies versus. You know, I I feel like a large portion of the pain we're feeling right now is a direct result of the hysteria that leaders across the country uh, engaged in as a result of the pandemic. And now we're starting to see how how little intricate things have a broad rippling effect throughout the economy. Um, You know, we we could we could we can make fun of the idea of trickle down all we want. But right now we're seeing trickle sideways. Right. When 50 truckers quit the job and go do something else that trickles sideways over to Target not getting enough toilet paper and so on and so forth, right? I mean, I think, I think this is a right. real – the prob- mean- the fear that I have is that the government's going to try to get more involved when what they need to do is the opposite and get out of the way. Oh,
1: Well, the, uh, the answer that Buttigieg had for the tr- trucker shortage was to relax the constraints on the number of hours they can drive in a 24-hour period and basically just to tell the ones who are still on the job to work longer hours
0: right that's a, well, isn't that what in that what uh Joe Biden's answer for the shipping problem was open up 24 hours but, yep. but then the CEO well, of the big shipping company in LA goes and looks and goes realizes that Long Beach has a stupid regulation that won't allow them to stack their uh, containers more than two high. And when he asked what safety regulation we can go five high safe, they said it wasn't about safety; it was about it was about the view. So so oh, okay. so we we got a hundred and some odd you know shipping container ships off the coast of of, of Long Beach, California. You know, just sitting there puttering, putting carbon into the atmosphere, uh, and they can't unload because of a stupid government regulation. The,
1: the, this, this fits one of my theories of life. And if I write a book, this will get a few pages. Uh, there's a reason for everything. Right. But it's usually not a good reason. <laughs> and, Sounds like it, my mom
0: when I was trying to explain why I was late from the party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I came up with this theory when I built my own house. Right. And, and people would say, is there a reason you did it that way? And I would say, well, I did nothing by mistake. There was a reason for everything I did, but a lot of times it wasn't a good reason. Right, right. That I found out later in right. retrospect. Right. So this is one of my theories of life is that nothing's random. There's a reason for everything. It's just not always a good reason. Yeah. So that fits your container problem where you said the reason is there. The view, it obstructs the view if they stack the boxes yeah. more than too high.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about when we're talking with Congressman Thomas Massey, um, the, you're the greenest member of Congress as a Republican. Hey man, nobody,
1: you, you, nobody's challenged
0: it. Yeah. Nobody can even compete with you. You drive a Tesla. Uh, you built your own Tesla wall out of a wrecked Tesla and you power a 4,000 plus square foot house completely off the grid and frankly you power your farm completely off the grid you raise and the, cattle and grow all kinds of vegetables and yummy things
1: the house was built with trees that were destroyed in an ice storm in 2003 really and the, and and the stones came, were laying on top of the ground most of them that i found to do the stone work
0: okay so let me ask you this question i and, and this i'm not is in the gotcha i just i, I honestly want to know what you're feeling about it do you think my SUV is causing climate change? No. Okay. Do you think we should find a cleaner source of energy than fossil fuel?
1: Uh, I think that would be wonderful. I'm, I'm more concerned about just an easier source, mm. like something that's easier to produce. I li- here, let me tell you why I like solar panels. They are rocks that make electricity, and they and they last virtually forever. Right. They, I mean, people can say, "Oh, they're filling up the landfills and blah blah," and that may be true for windmills. I think it probably is, but the solar panels that I put on my house almost 20 years ago are still working fine, right. and I haven't even washed them. I haven't done anything to them. Interesting. Uh, but let me let me go back to the, the fossil fuel thing. Um, uh, you said is it causing climate change? It is not, but it. I do believe that our activity has increased the amount of CO two in the air. Mm-hmm. Now, CO two is a trace gas in the atmosphere. Right. It makes up a, a fraction of a percent of the atmosphere, but it's necessary for all life on the planet.
0: Right. You but have lefties walking around thinking that the entire atmosphere is half full of carbon dioxide now um as a result of climate change just like you have them thinking 50% of uh covid you know sufferers are going to go to the hospital
1: well but you know it's around 400 parts per million but it's been as high as 2000 in the history of you know in the recent history of the planet when there's been life on the planet right and when it was 2000 there was so much vegetation that you could support dinosaurs
0: mm-hmm. that's interesting uh, yeah
1: and they dinosaurs couldn't live on this planet now. There's not enough CO2 right to, to support the plants that they need to survive. So maybe we'll bring back the dinosaurs if we get more CO2. But here's my point: with that,
0: <laughs> so but put, so wait, we should we should we put, should fight climate change because we don't want to get eaten by a T Rex in 40 years.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, what what I'm getting to is your SUV and the one I drove to DC because I do have a Tesla, but takes longer to get to dc and the tesla because i've to stop twice to charge it to charge (laughs) but you're but i don't feel bad about it because your suv and my wife's suv when she'll let me drive it is producing co2 that has increased the crop production per acre over the last 50 years uh, all across the planet right but but i the only thing that's contributed to it but it's something it's a serious thing right if we if if, there, if somebody invented something, this is not possible. The laws, of, the laws of thermodynamics do not permit it. But if somebody invented something that didn't take energy and it could immediately return our CO2 to what it was 100 years ago, there would be – these supply chain issues would look like
0: – We'd have mass uh, starvation, wouldn't we?
1: we? Yeah, we would have mass starvation.
0: That's an interesting point. I, My concern about fossil fuels is not that – they're causing climate change but they are adding to pollution which is bad and i would like i would like to see a cleaner form of energy but you mentioned solar panels and windmills it'll be 20 years before they're capable of even presenting 20 percent of the energy we need at current population levels be, um so it'll,
1: it'll be zero year. it'll be a it'll be infinity years before they can produce the energy we need when the wind's not blowing and the sun's right, not shining right so why but, not
0: nuclear because i i feel like nuclear is the path here
1: if you can do something with the waste if you can uh, you know recycle it so I uh, heard two
0: this is an interesting statistic I heard this the other day and we're actually going to interview the guy who said it on my show tomorrow same is Michael Sch- Schellenberger he has uh, written a couple of books one is called apocalypse never and uh, he's an environmentalist but he um, he he thinks nuclear is the path forward and he pointed out that all of the um spent fuel from our nuclear power plants could be stored on one football field 50 feet high stacked. and he said that nobody has ever died in the United States from a nuclear accident from a nuclear power plant. And when I heard those two statistics, I was like, then why are we not doing this because they're trying to put a they're trying to put a uh, nuclear power plant in Pueblo, Colorado. Because that's where one of the last coal-fired power plants in Colorado is, and they want to take it offline like 20 years early. And so now there's a big movement saying let's put a let's put a nuclear power plant there. France gets 70 percent of their power from nuclear. And then if you just did that, and then then we could all drive our fossil fuel fueled cars as much as we want because the, the atmosphere would be that much cleaner. It has no emissions. Well, there's
1: you do need. A certain base load uh, there is a base load on the power uh, grid right and you need a base power supply to meet it right That's that's constant right like there's a there's a variable amount of power that's used based on the weather and the time of day and then there's this a base load that's required
0: but but nuclear is 24 7 365 correct that's what I'm saying. It's like that you could just, solve you, our electric grid problems almost overnight. Yeah, but you
1: gotta you gotta solve the waste problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying is that we it, yeah we we have been so scared of Three Mile Island, in which no one died, that theoretically the nuclear power plants we have are less safe. But look at France again. France gets seventy percent of its power from nuclear. When is the last nuclear accident in France? It's never happened.
1: I'm an all the above
0: guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's Do where it. I'm at. I'm like, hey, put it all on the table because here's the problem with, with Joe Biden's plan. We have no transitionary fuel. So th- th- this is the thing. When, when, you, when you start taking away options without replacing those options at an, at, 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 at a, um, in a fair trade way, meaning, meaning I get the same amount of power for the same amount of money. What you have is poverty. That's what you have. I mean, that's what we have right now. When we restrict our own access to our own fossil fuels, people are paying a buck thirty more for gas. Part of it's demand-based, which is also false demand because they, um, they falsely suppressed demand and now it's bounced back up like a trampoline, right? But the yeah. other part of that is that we immediately, upon his entering office, restricted our access to our own oil, and now we're begging Saudi Arabia to produce more. So...
1: For the, for the longest time, I was skeptical of this thesis that the liberals just wanted us to have a lower standard of living, or they didn't care if we had a lower standard of living, if it meant you know all of these things like the green movement and all that. Like I thought, well, when that lower standard of living comes upon us or comes upon the Zoom class, <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll see the light. But what I've what I've realized in you know in the course of this COVID response and the supply chain issues and the price of meat going up and having shortages in the store is no there is no limit there is no feedback on their idiocy and I think they are perfectly fine with a lower quality of life a lower standard of living and that's what we are. Well, faster than I had imagined.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I just I disagree with anybody who assumes that their goal is to save the planet in terms of the elite. I think there's useful idiots out there that think they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of what the elite, the Zoom class that you actually speak of, what Mm -hmm. they really care about is that they get to keep theirs and everyone else is on the same level and the best Get way control. to yeah the best way to achieve that control is to scare the crap out of people with a pandemic, test them and see how much liberty they'll give up, then repeat that same experiment with climate fears. That gives them all the power, all the money, all the resources. The rest of us just become uh, working stiffs for the state. Um, that that is the goal in my opinion. And and we're, been, we're all equal and we all have equal outcomes and that makes the zoom class happy.
1: And this COVID response has been a test to see yep. how much of their liberties people will give up. And I have been terrified to see what the answer is. And yep. I think the liberals are gleeful yeah. at the answer.
0: Yeah, they are. I, I think it w- this experiment um, succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. I, I think they were able to um, realize they could go a lot farther, a lot faster than they originally thought they were. So long as they introduced the, uh, the the, the uh, requisite amount of fear to the equation. They can they can definitely, they know now that they can definitely depend on whatever that fear kernel is that they release into the population, be it a virus, be it a, uh, and I'm not saying that they released the virus on the people on purpose. I'm saying they took advantage of the situation. But whatever that kernel of fear is that needs to be put in the society, whether it be viruses, whether it be uh, economic harm, whether it be racism, whether it be um Uh, 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 climate change, whatever it is, they can fully count on the media to take that, exaggerate it, twist it around, flip it over, analyze it six ways from Sunday, and scare the crap out of people about it.
1: (laughs) How am I going to disagree with you?
0: (laughs) I think we're about done, aren't we?
1: (laughs) I've got a a front row seat to all of this. I'm sitting here in Congress. It's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. The, the the people who could do something are not doing something. Well. Let me let me say this. When we get the majority back, because I think we probably will. Yeah. Although the Democrats are being much more vicious about redrawing the congressional lines in the states they control. Yeah. They, they are unashamed to gerrymander Illinois.
0: While complaining about system. gerrymandering in, in Republican states, yeah.
1: Right. And then Republicans are being way too polite about this in all the other states where the Republicans control Because the they're afraid of the media. And, well, and it's also incumbent Republicans who don't want to run the risk of a primary, so they want to keep the same exact district they've got. Yeah. They don't want too much change. And whereas the, the, the Democrats are more lethal and brutal in redrawing the lines and gerrymandering where they control that process. Yeah. So with that... Assuming we can overcome that problem, which is a problem I see right now in terms of getting the majority back, and we do get the majority back, we need to insist. People need to insist that their congressmen and the leaders of our party do not pass omnibus bills. We need to insist that whoever is the Republican Speaker of the House and the Republican Majority Leader in the Senate, that it's not – those two guys or gals going over – Having uh, red wine with Joe Biden, or you know prune juice, whatever he's drinking, <laughs> and and then cutting a deal and then coming back and telling the rest of us this was the best they could get, and we have to vote for it, otherwise the government shuts down and we lose the majority. And right. the majority is too important to shut the government down. That's a false. That's right. a false option. We need to be passing separate spending bills. We need one spending bill that pays the soldiers, one that funds NASA, one that pays for the national parks. We need to separate these things. And and people out there, you know, who are listening to this, when we get the majority back, do not accept the premise that we're going to pass an omnibus bill and that anybody could be blamed for shutting down the government.
0: It's yeah, we will
1: have no leverage over Joe Biden in an omnibus.
0: I'm I'm glad. That you're saying this, whether or not that actually comes to fruition. I don't I I love that you're there, but I don't trust Republicans any more than I trust Democrats these days because of that refusal to fight in most cases. Um, They're afraid of the media. They're as afraid of the media as a lefty Biden supporter is afraid of getting the virus, wearing their mask, driving their car by themselves at a red light. Um, Right. You know, and and that's got to stop.
1: So here's the, here's the role that I am playing here in Congress. I'm one vote out of 435. I recognize that.
0: Yeah. The
1: voters are like Charlie Brown and Congress is like Lucy and uh, particularly conservative voters. And, and uh, the Republicans in Congress are like Lucy. You put us in the majority. You think you're kicking the football right. <laughs> and we pull it away. I am trying to tell the voters, this is how the football gets pulled away from you. Right. This is the trick. This is the sleight of hand. Right. It becomes a giant omnibus bill. Right. No. that The reason they want to do omnibus bills is it keeps the power in the hands of three or four people. Yep. And the lobbyists like that, because then they only need to convince three or four people what to do. Right. If they distribute the power among the members, which, that's a necessary condition for passing separate bills and debating and amending them, right, and working through Congress, yeah, <laughs> getting back to the first premise that that I disagreed with, co- Congress, if it's going to work, this is how it works. If we're going to have any leverage over the president, to yeah. settle for nothing less. Otherwise, you're going to swing at a football, get the majority, and wonder where the football went.
0: Well, I will. I will say this, and I don't know exactly where across the country school board elections are i know we're having them here in colorado now i know that virginia is having them uh some other states i think ohio might be having them i'm not sure about whether kentucky's board elections are this year or not um but i i believe I think in most
1: states they're staggered
0: yeah yeah so well and and so there's a lot of them across the country but i i yeah. will say this i believe that <clears throat> your next wherever you are listening to this podcast your next School board election is probably the most important because I think there's a long game that has to happen here and a quick game. The patient is America. It's in triage right now. It's dying. It is dying. I cannot say this strongly enough. The patient is dying. The grand experiment in self-government, not democracy, self-government is dying. And it started with the left. In the Cultural Revolution in the '60s, when there were legitimate problems that needed to be fixed, but we went—they—they literally decided they were going to take us way to the left, and it—we were like the frog in a frying pan. It got turned up on us little by little. They took over our schools first, then they took over the academy, then they took over corporate. Now they've taken over bureaucracies um, and and everything else, and courts and everything else. We have to start that generational transformation. Over again. And it starts with the schools. So if people don't realize the school board is the first step, the next most important election is the midterms. And we have, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, Congressman Massey, hang in there. Don't give up because I think people are starting to see how important this is. The more local the election, the more important it is and work your way up. But we have to have people like you that are in there that are willing to question their party, that are willing to question the paradigm. That are willing to question and stand up to the idea of lobbyists, and not necessarily bend over every time somebody wants to bring you a campaign donation. We have to have you, so don't give up, man. Don't give up. Not that I think you would, but don't.
1: I'm gonna hang in here like a hare in a biscuit. That's <laughs> my favorite Kentucky
0: saying. <laughs> I love it. All right, my man. It's great talking All to you right, today. Bro. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Cleveland. All right, to have, you have later. a good one. All right, bye bye. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. It was made possible by my friends at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Tim Montgomery and his work crews have a work ethic and a craftsmanship value second to none. That means second to nobody. I've seen them work. I know what their work ethic is. It's why I believe in them. And I also know what the quality of their craftsmanship is. That's also why I believe in them. We had an ugly, unusable island in our kitchen, and they made it usable and beautiful. The work they did, I'm confident, is one of the main reasons why our house sold in less than a day when we put it on the market in Odom County. These guys are fantastic. And they have three designers on staff to help make your dream kitchen come true. George, Kelly, and Michelle are standing by waiting for you to call at 502-930-3304. See some samples of their work at LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. And you know we're hearing about supply chain crisis all over the world right now? That's not the case at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They have beautiful cabinets in stock now ready to go. Go to the cabinets section of their website, click on in-stock cabinets, and look at all the amazing, beautiful styles from modern, like sleek, clean lines to beautiful country style and everything in between, shaker and everything in between. So check them out. You can see all of that online, and they're ready to go. So if you're a contractor, do it yourself or, or you just already know what you want, there's not going to be any delays in your project with Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Check them out again, 502-930-3304 or louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. If you're in Louisville, Oldham County, or Southern Indiana, this is the place to go. Check them out again, louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. Big thanks to you, our listeners, for making this podcast possible as well. And if you haven't shared it with your friends yet, please go ahead and do so. It's a free subscription at iHeartRadio as well as Apple Podcasts. Have fresh new episodes download directly to your phone. You're going to love it. We got a lot of great episodes coming up in November. These are going to be blockbuster guys. We're we'll going to be talking about a ton of really important things. So make it happening. Big thanks to Louisville, or excuse me, big thanks to Dynamics Productions, uh, Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky for the audio help they do with this program. And again, thanks to you. Follow me on Twitter, it's at Leland Show or at GreatLelando on Instagram. Love you. Bye.